Welcome to the Laugh and Learn with Vern podcast, fresh back from vacation. This is your host, Eric Vernston. So thankful for you to be listening this Tuesday in July. Today is a very, very special guest, the one and only Evan Silva. Evan is the premier voice in fantasy football today. I know Matthew Barry is kind of the Hollywood guy, but... When I really need something or need some information, Evan Silva is my guy. You can find Evan on Twitter at Evan Silva, E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. Evan is also an entrepreneur starting the company EstablishTheRun.com where Evan, as long as other industry experts such as Adam Levitan and Josh Hermsmeyer provide amazing fantasy football content starting from previews of the season and their pre-rankings and what to look for all the way through the end of the season. I would highly recommend checking that out. This interview was a blast. I will give you a heads up occasionally here and there. There's a little bit of an audio glitch. It sounds like I'm talking over Evan, which I assure you I wasn't because I was trying to listen to give questions, but Evan was an awesome sport. We got cut out a couple times and I would call Evan right back and he would come on. Amazing guest. We talked about a variety of topics which were hilarious. One of which was the worst ownership group in the NFL, Browns or Redskins, which interesting statements by Evan, a little bit prophetic. I don't even know if I pronounced that word right, but interesting to hear now in retrospect. We filmed this or we taped this a couple weeks ago, uh, given recent events around the Washington, formerly known as the Redskins. We talked a ton of fantasy football. And I thought one of the most interesting parts, really there are two parts. One was how Evan thinks about different decisions. And it wasn't a question of me saying, well, how do you think about this? It would be talking about certain players, and then Evan would do a great job of going through his thought process. He broke that down multiple times. Very helpful for season-long players. We didn't get into DFS We talked season-long leagues and how he evaluates different players. And he really did a great job of doing that through individual decisions, such as who do you take at number two, Saquon or Ezekiel Elliott. We also talked about an interesting part of Evan's skill set, which is his broadcast voice. There's a really wonderful part in there about that. Taking chances. How do you decide and how did he decide to start his own business. Evan was the premier voice at Roto World, and I would argue premier voice in fantasy football. And he decided to leave a wonderful position to start his own company. What made him want to do that? What allowed him to feel that he could take that chance? And some interesting advice from his grandfather, which you definitely want to hear that. Thanks again to Evan Silva for coming on. He was an amazing guest at Evan Silva on Twitter, EstablishTheRun.com. Please check that out. I'm a huge fan myself, and I think you will be too. Now to Evan Silva on Laugh and Learn with Vern. Everyone to the Laugh and Learn with Vern podcast, where we interview people that have successfully built skills over time or have transitioned careers or just plain out interesting Today's guest has been a favorite of mine 
He is a fantasy football expert and the co-founder of Establish the Run. Please welcome Evan Silva. Someone was clapping. I don't know where they are. Eric, thanks so much for having me, man. Um, it's good. Let's, let's, let's talk about life. Let's talk about some ball. I'm in. Let's talk about some Bears Twitter, Twitter maybe, if we get to it. Oh, oh, oh we'll get there. <laughs> talk to me about... Uh, establish the run. So I, I'm a new subscriber. Very excited. I just got the yeah. package. I know years now. Can you tell everyone out there what this is about? Yeah, this is this will be year two of Establish the Run. We had a really, really uh, great first year. I think that uh, the, the return rate um, has been really, really high. And we shouldn't be surprised because we had an incredible first year from a forecasting standpoint, but also from um, a talent collection standpoint, uh, the company was started primarily by myself and uh, Adam Levitan, who is probably the best DFS analyst in the game, daily fantasy sports. Um, and uh, along the way, we hired a bunch of specialists. We wanted to make sure that guys that were just really good in one area. And that's what we really focused on in hiring um, other talent uh, beyond just uh, myself and Adam. So we got uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, who is the king of uh, air yards, which is a really predictive metric for wide receivers and also to some extent uh, quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, the amount of air yards uh, that a, a player uh, achieves or, or uh, commands during a particular week. Let's say, you know, Kenny Galladay gets 120 air yards in week one, but he only gains 28 receiving yards because they would say he dropped a pass or you know, a, another pass was overthrown or, you know, a Prince Amukamara made a great play, you know, as a defensive back, you know, to break up uh, one of his downfield uh, um, opportunities. Well, Kenny Galladay is likely to stay in that range in the second week, but is likely to achieve, you know, regress more toward the mean and, you know, go for 89 yards as opposed to 28 uh, with that 120 air yards. And, and Josh Hermsmeyer has been incredible as a regression analyst, one of the best uh, data analysts on, uh, on on the internet, really, um, and, you know, writes about things even uh, aside from uh, football. Um, we also got uh, Pat Thorman, who is a specialist when it comes to uh, uh, play totals from teams and pace and no huddle. So if a team is running, you know, let's say 72 plays per game and there's another team that's running 59 plays per game, this is not something that's extensively covered when you turn on ESPN they never talk about stuff like this uh, but Pat Thorman has been a specialist in that area and if you can identify those teams that are playing a lot of no huddle offense playing you know firing off a lot of playing at a high tempo high tempo firing off a lot of plays I mean 13 plays per game more than you know your opponent is a, a significant advantage when it comes to things like trying to forecast a box score which is exactly what we're trying to do when it comes to fantasy football and then Brandon Thorne, um, he is the best offensive line analyst in the game. We had him in year one. We just locked him up uh, to a multi-year deal and Dwayne McFarland, who is I think one of the best analysts in the game at determining opportunity, how many touches, how many uh, snaps, you know, all those things, how many, you know, how many opportunities is a player going to get uh, relative to his competition? What do you think is another statistic outside of air yards that you think fancy football players undervalue? Well, I think that yards per route run is one of the most uh, predictive 
uh, an, uh, analytical uh, metrics when it comes to football. And it's uh, really only pro football focus so far has really covered it and has proven to be one of their most predictive metrics year over year. Like annually, you know, Julio Jones will be top five in yards per route run. And, you know, it, it also takes away, like, you know, say a guy only plays seven games in a season, we can still see his efficiency on a per route run basis. It has been extremely predictive for rookies, like year over year, the, the rookie receiver who leads the league in um, or leads, you know, leads among rookies in yards per route run has gone on to be a star, like without fail. This, uh, the last guy was uh, AJ Brown who had yep. a monster year in yards per route run the year before that was DJ Moore. And then he went on to finish, you know, top 10 in the NFL in catches and receiving yards had a, a really big breakout after leading all rookies in yards per route run uh, in 2018. It's just been really, really predictive over the years. I want to get into a couple of questions for the audience to get to know you. I, if anyone, I mean, everyone heard that they already read you before they know you're an expert in football, but, Kind of want to know, you know, a little more about you. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, and lived there until, or lived in uh, Arlington, Virginia, until I was about 11 or 12. And then my mom remarried and moved out to St. Louis. That's where I went to high school. I went to uh, Chaminade College Preparatory in, um, in St. Louis. And then I went to Marquette University for... Uh, college up in Milwaukee. I got out of college. I was planning to go to law school. I had uh, degrees in philosophy and political science. And, you know, I took the LSAT, but I was just like, man, I I do not want to go to another 8 a.m. class in my entire life. So I just really didn't want to do school anymore. Started emailing back and forth with why there was this website that I read when I was in college, really uh, about baseball. I was more into uh, fantasy baseball at the time. And rotoworld.com had great, great, great uh, fantasy baseball coverage. And so I started emailing back and forth with a guy there. I got a hold of a guy there and he was responding to my emails, told him I'd work for free, you know, worked for free for like six or eight months. They eventually hired me, quote unquote, full time for 500 bucks a week. And, you know, I, I was like, man, I'm getting out of my parents' home. You know, yeah. I've been here for like <laughs> six months or eight months or whatever. And, I went to live with a bunch of buddies in Chicago and just drank water and ate white bread uh, for, you know, a few years, started making some more money and, and finally um, was able to turn it into a career. That's awesome. When you started, you were in Chicago, what neighborhood did you start in? Were you Wicker Park? Yeah. Yep. Right. I started in Wicker Park. Um, man, I drive through Wicker Park now and it is so much better than when I got there, but uh, <laughs> it was still an absolute blast and, Wound up living in uh, Lincoln Park for a while, about a block and a half from Wrigley for a while. Um, That's awesome. And now I, uh, I moved out to uh, Oak Park, and uh, I, I just bought a house uh, in, in Berwyn slash Oak Park. Congratulations. And, uh, I'm, I'm moving in uh, at the end of the month. I'm super excited about it. Worst ownership group? <laughs> Redskins or Browns? Well, the Browns are just lost. The Redskins are like a truly horrible ownership group. The Browns just had no idea what they were doing. Well, first of all, Jimmy Haslam is the owner of the Browns, right? And he bought the team six years ago for 
I want to say 200 million. And the uh, value of that franchise is over a billion now. That's insane. So yeah. And along the way, by the way, got investigated by the FBI and I have oh, yeah. one really good buddy who's a, a truck driver. And what happened was Jimmy ha- or the, the um, pilot flying J is the name of the like service station. It's sort of like loves or, um, I don't know. What are some of, some of those other? Oh, uh, maybe Casey's, uh, well, like Casey's that general of... store or something yeah, like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's sort of the area in which F- Flying Pilot J competes. And what they did is they told all these truckers that, hey, if you come to our place instead of Love's or Casey's general store, then we will give you these rebates at the end of the year. You know, just keep your receipts, and we'll you know we'll give you these rebates. Like my buddy that is a truck driver. Um, was anticipating like $5,000 in rebates. And what uh, Pilot Flying J did is they just didn't give any of the rebates back. They just totally scammed the truck drivers who, you know, tend to be like hardworking Americans. And uh, I don't know, I, you know, I could go on and on about this kind of stuff. I would say that the Browns are actually just a lost sort of corrupt um, uh, ownership group, but the Redskins ownership group is worse because they don't even care about winning at this point. Um, I think in the beginning, Dan Snyder cared about winning, but I think at this point, he's really just more concerned with making money and, um, uh, you know, uh, hiring his friends into uh, like cronyism and Bruce Allen. Right. Is, yeah. Is, is right. Get... And they finally got rid of Bruce Allen, but man, it's yeah, been a really did. long time of him being the worst GM in the NFL, you know, <laughs> that 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 kind of thing and really just appeasing the fans at the same time to make sure he doesn't lose his fan base like the the redskins sure. fan fan base was really starting to lose i mean they weren't going to the games anymore and actually if you went to a redskins game it would be more of the other the, the uh, competing fans in the stands so dan snyder actually that woke up dan snyder a little bit but all he did was go out and hire you know a retread head coach and he immediately uh energized the fan base like if you talk to redskins fans now they're way 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 more optimistic after the redskins hired ron rivera they did the little thing where they demoted bruce allen and that's all it took to reactivate uh the the redskins fan base so here's a follow-up question to that who would you rather have right now going forward dwayne haskins or mitch trubisky um you know, the, the right answer is the bullet. The right answer is the bullet. But I would say that Haskins sh- showed just enough down the stretch last year in the final four or five games. Whereas the, the sample size is much bigger on, on Mitch and it goes back to college. Like at least Dwayne Haskins was a dominant player in college. Because that's not something sure. that Mitchell Trubisky was. Um, and so I would say over the past three years, Mitchell or uh, Dwayne Haskins has given you a lot more reasons to be optimistic than has Mitchell Trubisky. Who plays more games this year for the Bears as a starter, Mitch or Foles? I think the, answer, the, the very easy answer to that is Nick Foles. And this is not a Mitchell Trubisky bias. You know, this is just dealing with reality. And the reality is that the Bears acquired Nick Foles probably paying more than market value because of his connection to John Filippo and uh, the new OC, Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy. And, you know, I don't think that they went out and acquired him to sit the bench. 
going back to growing up, college, early on, what was your favorite, what's been your favorite job outside of your current situation? Oh, this is it. This is it, man. I mean, my, my favorite job, I mean, oh, like, I guess you're, you're doing it assisting... now. Yeah, I was curious. Like, did you have any, did you have any part-time job when you were 15? Like you, oh. were, you were cutting grass or you worked at some now defunct retail. It's just, you know, you know, it was always a, a quick end, a quick means to sure. a quick ends, you know, as opposed sure. to anything that I actually enjoyed doing. Um, I did build houses every summer uh, for my, uh, my, my buddy's dad owned a construction company. This was really during the, the height of the housing market. Uh, and that always got me into really good shape uh, each each summer nice. before I went back to college. So, uh, and and I made good money. I was making like fifteen bucks an hour, which I thought was good money, and it was good money compared to uh, my you know the other people that were were going home every summer for. Um, and oh, I made eight bucks an hour. I was like oh wow, fifteen, you know and. Um, but yeah, I would say that's probably my, my favorite. When you come back was, to uh, college in shape with money, you're ready to roll. It's just, you're just confident, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, and it's, and it's still warm. You know, in Milwaukee, it gets really, really cold, right? But right when you go back, it's yeah. so, so nice. And then and, you, get, um, you get maybe in a what, couple, August, September, I guess it would be. Maybe a couple weeks in October. September. Maybe. And, um, that's a great time to be in Milwaukee. Fa- okay, fantasy player. Now right. we, so Me. you and I, had a, we talked before. You are you did what fifty five zero leagues last year, right? Something like that, season long. 52, yeah. So this is gonna this is a, a uh, question. I don't know if you 52, can fifty two, right? Of all the leagues you played ever, what who do you think? Or you can name a couple. Who do you think are the fantasy players that you picked up and added the most, like in season? You know, like for for me, like I think a couple years ago, Josh Dodson. I think I picked up and dropped him like six times. It didn't work out any time. But do you have any? Okay. Have you had anyone the last couple of years who you just like? I can't quit this guy. That's a really good question, and it's a really tough one to answer because, um, sure, because I make so many moves and I play in so many different leagues, um, and so I'm trying to think who is someone really on the fringe that, I mean, it it would be like some scrub. It would be like CJ Uzoma or something like that, who at times has looked like he might get opportunity. And I mean, I play in like really deep leagues where you start like you know, 12 guys, it's a dynasty league, you know, there's 14 teams and CJ Uzoma has actually been like a legit, you know, top 20 option at the tight end position. And, you know, I, he's like right on the fringe of guys that I would pick up a bunch of, you know, a, a cascade of backup running backs would fall into that CJ Procise maybe. And it's not necessarily because I'm a truther of these guys. It's just hunting for opportunity. And every once in a while you'll stumble into somebody that really is productive for you in a role like that. Like last year, Steven Sims, who nobody had really even heard of, um, was like a top 15 fantasy receiver in the final four games. And I remember looking at him on the waiver line and be like, man, this guy's going to 
he's going to get some opportunity. Um, but I didn't pick him up because I, you know, he had no track record whatsoever, but those are always the guys that kind of create conundrums with me. Um, I don't know about their talent. Yeah. I know they'll be getting a shot more often than not. Those guys are duds, but man, when they, when they, when you do pick them up, I mean, you got them for free and you know, they're scoring at like, you know, a top 15, top 20 receiver level that gives you a huge advantage over, you know, the other people in your, in your league who are dealing with, you know, injuries to critical starters. And yeah, there's no question that like, you know, making savvy, we have a guy in a my huge, huge part of winning my main season fantasy. who picked up, this is probably, I don't know, five, six years ago, he picked up a ODB mid season and then he, it was a keeper league. So he got to keep them for essentially free. And then he only got them for five extra dollars every year. So for probably two to three years, yeah, he pretty ha- he pretty much had an edge on everyone in the league. Savvy, oh. that's a shout out to folks, and he'll be listening to this too. He's a Browns fan. Wow, he's, he's probably throwing things at. Oh uh, yeah, he'd be throwing things at his screen as soon as he hears that. Uh, okay, qu- another question for you, and I and I do not agree with you on this one. Favorite right. pizza in Chicago? I know what you're gonna say. Oh. Oh, um, no, I mean, I like to make inflammatory statements sometimes about Chicago pizza because it really gets people get so mad about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, what a silly thing to get mad about. Um, I do like lose. I do like lose, but man, you can't eat it all the time. Like you can't eat it all the time. Like it's, first of all, you start to not like it if you eat it at a high frequency and also, like, it's going to send you to your deathbed because it is so freaking unhealthy. Um, you know, I mean, and not that I'm like a health freak, but, you know, I, you can't eat like lose every weekend or something like that. I mean, you would turn into a blimp. Right. So I really if, if I had to just isolate um, deep dish pizza, I would say lose. Now, I have not had Pequod's, which a lot of people speak uh, very favorably about. I've heard, also heard a lot of people that say it's overrated, but either way, I need to uh, take my daughter down there to, to get uh, some Pequod's. Our favorite place to go, though, is Peace, which is a thin crust place uh, in Wicker Park, uh, where, you know, of course, I I, divide, I really developed the taste for that when I was living in Wicker Park. Um, but it's it's my favorite. It's, it's a great hangout. Um, you know, they have a brewery inside. It's really, really big. You can watch sports there. Um, I've gone down there and I've, uh, hung out with Robert Mays down there at the ringer. He's like, yo, I come here, uh, you know, every, you know, once every week or something. I mean, he lives like right down the, the street from there. Um, you know, I've hung with a bunch of, um, other Chicago, f- uh, football writers. And so that gives me, you know, a, a fond, um, memory of the place. And also my daughter loves to go play on their, um, uh, play on their, uh, play on their games. They have like, you know, arcade games that you can play on, but, um, that that's my favorite place to eat uh, pizza in Chicago, is Peace. But it is a New Haven, Connecticut pizza. It is not an actual Chicago pizza. Now there is another segment of Chicago that will tell you that deep dish is not actually the most Chicagoan pizza. Like, like the thin, it's kind of that thin tavern crust? style pizza, which I think is fine. It's good. You know, it's good. Yeah, it's sort of thin crust, and you know, it comes in like um, yeah like a circle usually, and then they cut it into squares and, you know, you drink, you drink four, four beers and yeah. you devour, you know, 75% of one of those things and you're feeling good. Right. I would, but, uh, that, that's what some people say. So 
No, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't. I don't hate Chicago pizza, but I, I was like curious because you, know, you said you like you, you talked about pizza before. My issue with that pizza is I think I just feel like it falls apart. Like I have to eat it like a sandwich. That's the only beef I have with it. It's delicious, but I literally have to eat it like a mm. sandwich. So I guess I guess I could have. I eat it with problem. a fork. <laughs> you start. You start yeah, but then people business. make fun of me. I don't. I, I don't feel like you care about really arrows care, at this so. point. And I and we'll and I'm sure we'll get into right. some of the people that send the most. All right. Uh, let's see. No. What do I got here? Okay. Best advice you ever got. Um, um, well, I don't know if it's the best advice that I ever got, but it's definitely one thing that stuck with me for a really long time. Um, and that was when I started uh, doing on air stuff with Ross Tucker, who Ross Tucker really helped me in my career. Um, he had just lost uh, Greg Cosell off his Sirius XM radio station, and it was like a 6 a.m. spot. And I know that Greg Cosell wanted to start getting paid, which he should have started to get paid. You know, and he was very just, you know, it's not like Ross was mad about that or anything. It's just that at the time, people weren't paying for football content. And now Greg Cosell does get paid, I think, for every spot and as he should. Um, but it was just, you know, that time, I think it was like 06, 07, something like that. And um, I was, God, I was so bad. I was so bad on this spot. And I didn't know what my voice was and I asked or, and then Ross came to me one day and was like, you need to just inject more energy into what you're doing. And like the way that my voice is and the way that I sort of like, I don't like project a lot of energy. Right. So I need to go out of my way really to project some level of energy. And when I just was projecting enough level of energy that, you know, I, I feel like I, I generated some excitement with the, the stuff that I was saying um, and you could tell that I was really passionate about it, then it just went a super, super long way because, you know, I sort of have like a, a deep voice and when people ask me questions, you know, it takes me like 10 seconds to process it. And, you know, I just had to sort of find out more about myself and all he, all he had to say was, you know, be a little bit more, you know, just add some energy. I had no idea you that do, you known Ross. And it'll make it a thousand years. times better. And I, I think that it did. Are you, and I haven't. I've kind of fallen off the fancy oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The last couple of months. Yeah. Is he still doing Fancy Feast? I'm assuming he would be, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he is. Um, I I quit like all my other odd jobs, uh, and um, last year, and he he uh, got Joe Dolan. Joe Dolan, who's who does a great job. He's he's now with Fantasy Points now, and uh, previously he was with um, John Hansen at, at Fantasy Guru. Uh, but he's, you want to talk about an energetic guy, like there's your energetic guy. But with me, I, I needed to inject that into what I was doing and not go on the radio and talk real soft and low and expect people to, you know, to have positive feedback. I think it comes through, I think it comes through the writing. Something too. Different. I mean, it feels like you're into what you're writing. Like, I don't get this feeling like Evan woke up on Saturday and was like, well, I guess I'll update my top 150. Right, right. No. Yeah, and I, I won't wake up on Saturday and do that because I know that that's not the frame of mind. That's not the frame of mind that I want to be in. I don't want to just roll out of bed and 
like when when I when I you know take two or three hours every day to update the top 150, I want to make sure that I'm in the zone, you know, and like I'm really caring about every single move that I make. I'm not just making moves to move guys around like and and you'll you'll start to see that if you're an established to run subscriber you'll see that um, i'm gonna start a new page where i explain every single rankings move that i make um it's not going to be like a long paragraph but it'll be one or two sentences and the people that read it will get it and they'll understand you know why i made that rankings change every every rankings change has to be driven by some piece of data it, I, I don't think that we can just use gut feel. I don't think we could just use intuition, even if it's so much as, hey, I did three drafts and in all three of those drafts, you know, there was no way that I was going to take, um, let's say, Alan Robinson over DJ Chark. And I, by the way, I have Alan Robinson sure. way ahead of DJ Chark, but I'm just, you know, coming up with an example of players. But in each of those three, three drafts, you know, I saw Allen Robinson on the board and I saw DJ Chark on the board. And, you know, when it was my turn to pick and every single one, I took DJ Chark over him. You know, I can't, I don't think it's an honest way to, um, you know, to, to deliver information to our audience, to my readers. If I'm sitting there having Allen Robinson ranked ahead of DJ Chark, well, I'm actively taking DJ Shark over Allen Robinson, you know, and, and until you do an actual draft with, you know, uh, you, you know, looking at the rankings and comparing what you are actually putting into action to the rankings, then I don't think that you can say with any level of certainty that you should have a guy. I, I think that all fantasy analysts should play a ton of fantasy. I know a lot of fantasy analysts don't, they, they'll play like three or five leagues, you know, like a normal, normal person. And, that, that's not the people that uh, people should be getting advice so from. Here's a people question that, for us. You know, analysts that don't play right a lot now. of fantasy themselves. You got Saquon over Ezekiel Elliott. Now, here's kind of here's my question on that one because Dallas, you know, they, yeah. they draft it was a DD and they got this this offense that looks like it's ready to rock. I don't remember what their schedule looks like, but I didn't see it on as as being negative. And then the Giants, meanwhile, as I recall. Okay, but the Giants have a murder. No, it's schedule. it's not ninth, ninth softest schedule. So if the Giants have Dra- a murder Dra- schedule, start, are you saying that Saquon is that much better than Zeke, even with that schedule? Like everything factored in, I want Saquon. No, no, you're you're and you're calling me on this because I just did a draft, um, the top of a draft yesterday, and I was at the okay. number two hole. And it was Saquon or Zeke, and I took Zeke. So okay. that's actually on my list of uh, uh, rankings changes to make. Um, at the same time, I think that Saquon is a more sure. – So I can tell you what my thought process was before I decided to make that change. And it was just that Saquon, when he is, he is at his height, is a way more explosive player than Ezekiel Elliott. Like, who's likelier to bust an 80-yard reception, oh, yeah. 80-yard run, Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott? I do like the the, um, the 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 rising sort of the ascending arrow on the Giants' offense because I think they've got explosive skill position players and they just pumped um, a first round pick, a top five pick, and a third round pick into their offensive line. Um, and I think they're going to score a lot of points this year. But you're right; I think the Cowboys are going to score more. It's just Zeke is more of like a hey four, yeah. five, six yard run guy, and then Saquon Barkley is a guy who can let you know 
take it to the house and one run sure. will make turn his fantasy week into a week winning week. Whereas Saquon's uh, the type Zico of guy really like, doesn't have like, any tools. You're in a league where you, you get payouts for different things. If you can get that weekly high payout, maybe you don't have a great season overall, but because you have him, you may end up making it back because he scores like 48 points in a couple games. He, he's ridiculous. Yeah, and at the same time, like, these guys are so – they're just both great, great picks. And so you're really just picking picking nits. And at the end of the day, like, what is going to separate them is something way out of our – out of our the control of our analysis. It's like which guy is going to get hurt or, you know, which guy is going to lose his quarterback or, you know, like it's, it's way out of our control. And it's just – We talked uh, before about a guy named Tyler Higby, who you're a big fan of or we're a big fan of for parts of last year. He ended up helping you with a couple um, – couple weeks i think he had like a big big end of the season right like the last three to five weeks he was like a top three or five tight end something like that yeah no last last five weeks he led so all the nfl tight ends on the guy uh, on the other end of the screen who uh <laughs> who are a couple in your a couple potential tyler higbys this year and i know you did i think you did the deep sleepers i think i can pull it up i'm not totally sure but if you know off the top of your Yeah, no, yeah, of course I did the deep sleepers. Um, but yeah, I mean, a tight end. Well, I, I wouldn't want to say that they're like Tyler Higby because Tyler Higby played in 58 games entering week three last season and went over 50 yards twice in those 58 games. That's a 3% hit rate. All of a sudden, he had, I think, what, 80, 87 plus yards in or a touchdown in each of the last five games of last season. I actually think that Gerald Everett has become underrated because of this. Gerald Everett, of course, plays on the same team as Tyler Higby, had out-targeted uh, Tyler Higby 57 to 21. I'm sorry, 57 to 26 in the first uh, until week 13 of last year, then got hurt, and all of a sudden Tyler Higby blows up. So I actually think that Gerald Everett has become severely underrated as a fallout from that. I really like Blake Jarwin just as a product of that Cowboys offense. Um, I think that uh, Jay Sternberger of the Packers is a little bit interesting. I really liked him coming out of Texas A&M. He was hurt as a rookie and didn't do anything, didn't even get on the field. Um, but now he's got a ton of opportunity. No Jimmy Graham there. Um, Chris Herndon of the Jets, who had uh, the 10th most receiving yards all time by a rookie in 2018, by a rookie tight end in 2018. And then he played 18 snaps in his second year and uh, because of injury. And now he's back. Um, I, I really like the depth of the tight end position this year. Um, and I'm, I'm waiting whenever I possibly can. There have been a few times where, like, Zach Ertz will fall to the fourth round and I might take him. But for the most part, I like taking three, two or three tight ends late in the draft. It depends on, you know, your league and stuff. In most leagues, it, you should only take two. Uh, but in a best ball league, for example, I'll take three, you know, I'll take, like, Ian Thomas in the 14th round and uh, Blake Jarwin in the 15th and then Jack Doyle, like in the 17th. And I'll feel really, really good. You are tight end score. higher than, or, or let me take it back. There are two guys that you seem to be, I don't want to say higher than most, but interested in that. I feel like are going to burn me because they, every year it seems like one or two of these guys burn me. So Evan this year, who is going to burn me more? 
Matt Stafford or Duke Johnson? Um, yeah, Duke Johnson is definitely a guy that I've been burned by over the years, but I mean, it's never like, you know, he's had a, an ADP higher than the fifth or sixth round and, you know, fifth or sixth round. I mean, we're starting to get into crap shoot anyways. So I don't like his talent is undeniable. It's just is one of these coach and his coaching has been the worst that you can even conceive of Hugh Jackson in Cleveland and then, um, Bill O'Brien in Houston. Um, so, but I mean, you know, betting on talent year after year and when it, at only the price of it, I think he's going to be a ninth round pick this year, generally ninth to 11th round. Um, I'm willing to take that on a guy that I know who, who that I know can play. I mean, Duke Johnson leads the NFL in yards per touch since entering the league. He was the all time leading rusher at, um, you know, for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, he can catch passes. He plays in an offense that is going to score at an above league average rate, yeah. you know. I, I'm fine being wrong on, on, on guys like that. And, you know, I've definitely been, a, you know, a higher than ADP on him over the last few years, but I don't regret it. Like, I'm going to keep going back to that well. And then uh, who was – oh, Stafford. Yeah, I mean, with Stafford, I don't – I haven't been, like – I've been pretty neutral on him, but this year I am going to be high on him because uh, if you look at the way that their offense was playing before he got hurt, Last year, they were averaging 25.5 points per game, which were ranked eighth in the NFL, averaging almost 400 yards per game. In terms of total offense, were ranked fourth in the NFL. He was on pace for 38 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. They're getting back Galladay, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, I think, can take a leap in his second year. Danny Amendola is a good little slot receiver. Um, you know, they play indoors. So you're um, – You know, I Stafford is um, – Stafford obviously has major injury concerns, but I don't care about injury concerns generally at the quarterback position, especially in season-long redraft leagues, because you can just drop them and, and pick another guy up. Like, it's it's I really a, not that big of a deal. I asked for some questions from friends and other people on Facebook, and I have a good friend of mine. His name's Bill. He's a huge fan of yours, and he had this question to ask you: Why is David Montgomery bad at breaking tackles Uh-oh. and fancy football? <laughs> well, I don't think he's bad at breaking tackles. Um, I think he's good at breaking tackles, but the the Bears' offensive line last year, you know, you had to break even more tackles than David Montgomery can break to be. And he also he ran into the back of his blockers too often last year. Um, Tariq Cohen took yeah. a lot. Of, I mean, David Montgomery's a pretty good receiver, right? I, but when you're going to be held to what? Yeah, he'd he get like have? one or two. It seemed like he'd Nothing get one more or two. than like 32 yeah. or something like that. Right. Right. And, you know, and Tariq Cohen was one of the worst, the least productive skill position players in all the NFL last year. So you're, you're losing some catches to him. They, they didn't score a lot of points. I mean, they were, I don't know, 29th in, in points per game or something like that. And, you know, so he didn't score a lot of touchdowns. Um, you know, again, the offensive line, like they really, really misread their offensive line, made no real upgrades to their offensive line. And, um, you know, all they did was uh, change around the guard in the center. And that worked out disastrously, so dis- disastrously that they wound up switching the guard in the center and the, the left guard in the center back again during the season. They way, way, way overshot how skilled Charles Leno was. 
overshot how skilled Bobby Massey was. Um, you know, they put too much faith in Kyle Long with no backup, no good backup in mind. Uh, they're just, they're, you know what they are? Yeah. Is they're a team that can't evaluate internally. Like they can't evaluate their own roster well enough. And that really, really affects all their other decision-making. It, it yeah. really just starts at the way that they evaluate their own players. And Ryan Pace is one of these like, you know, full on scout, like, you know, old, old ball scout guys that has no idea about, you know, the business of the game. And he just thinks that he can out evaluate other yeah. evaluators around the league. And he really can't. And that shows up in so many of his moves, you know, particularly at the quarterback position, the most posi- important position in all of sports where, you know, his big investments have been Mike Glennon, uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. I mean, that, that is pathetic. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's about as bad as you can do. And um, again, they're just, their complete inability to evaluate their own talent uh, really overrides almost a- anything else that they can do. He's made some good moves along the way. You know, I mean, Allen Robinson was, you know, easily and one of the best Allen signings Robinson. of the last five years in free agency. Um, but if you, if, if you look yeah. at his full track record, I mean, he well, and he's is, terrible he's with draft capital. He whiffs like he doesn't he would not seem believe. to understand that if you look at a team like New England, which I don't even know if their draft record's that great, but the draft so it's a crapshoot. It, it's a total crapshoot, and he for some right, right, right. But he doesn't see it as that. He's an old ball scout, and when you're an old ball scout, you think that there's like oh, there's great evaluators, you know, there's decent evaluators, there's average evaluators, there's bad evaluators, and he thinks that because. The, the reason that he got the Bears GM job is because he's a great evaluator. And so that's going to come out in like everything that he does. He, he's, he has no, it, it's a really egotistical way to approach making personnel selection. Like you have the, you know, the skeleton key, like you understand, you, you can evaluate better. You know, that, that, that's over time. That is false. I mean, Bill Belichick is the best football mind of anybody, you know, sure, ever. Yeah. And he's like a, an average drafter, you know, like don't, you know, if, if you see a GM that is sort of convincing himself that he is some great talent evaluator, what are some other teams huge, that you, huge, huge that you've flag. noticed you think have trouble in evaluating their own internal personnel? Uh, certainly the jets under Mike Tannenbaum. Um, you know, giving Mark Sanchez that big contract extension that they did. Um, you know, he got hot with some draft picks at, at some point, and then he thought that he could just outdraft everyone. And boy, did that. And um, he, I think that he, and he had a lot of years as a GM in the NFL um, because he, he had a lot of people, year, a lot of people's ears, um, but he just, you know, was not, not a good evaluator, all of a sudden thought he was a good evaluator. You know, like the, the dumb – again, I don't think that Tannenbaum is smart, but everybody knows a dumb person that thinks they're smart in their life, and, you know, boy, does that not come off well. Adam Gase, I don't think he's ever been a good yeah. coach. You, I think you tweet something about he's probably good mind to be first push fired. I got to think the Jets are up there in these no. defunct, this functional organizational structure because – it, the backup 
is probably Greg Williams, who, as I re- and I, I don't know if you've said this specifically, but he seems like he's one of these guys in the cocoon of he just keeps getting jobs. I don't know why Greg Williams gets jobs. Wasn't he? I, I don't remember it was last year or the year before, but wasn't he having his safeties like 20 yards out? And I think I was watching, it was like the Browns were even running on him all day. Like, he's not good. Yeah. No, no. Um, I'm, and I'm, I would never argue that he's good. Um, he, yeah. no, he pretended that Jabril Peppers was Sean Taylor. You know, like you can get it when you're coaching Sean Taylor, which he did in Washington. I actually talked to uh, Matt Bowen uh, at the combine about this. And I asked him straight up. I was like, do you think that Greg Williams was playing Jabril Peppers that deep because he was trying to contribute to the tanking? And Matt Bowen said, I wouldn't put it past him. Oh, yeah. Matt Bowen is a really, really smart guy. He played for the Bears. He played for the Bills, the Rams. And he played for those Redskins. He was the box safety when Sean Taylor was the free safety, right? So if you stick Sean Taylor in, as the punt returner, I mean, he can just, like, with instincts and with flat speed, you know, he can just go chase down everything. And he will literally be your safety net. But with Jabril Peppers, his first year out of Michigan – where he played box safety and now they're using him at free safety in the NFL in the Sean Taylor role. I mean, that was one of the dumbest things that we've seen a coach do, you know, like ever. And um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are a lot of different theories to that. Matt Bowen said though, he, he would not rule out that playing Jabril Peppers back there was like trying to sabotage uh, the season sure. for the Browns. Like he would not Matt and Matt Bowen is not a BSer. You know, he's, He's a really, really smart guy. He's on Chicago radio all the time. Um, and, you know, you, you could just oh, listen yeah. to him speak. You, this dude knows exactly. He went to Iowa. You know, he's a badass. And, um, and uh, yeah, he, he, and he loves Greg Williams, by the way. Absolutely loves him. Like, even after sure. Greg Williams had the situation where he was accused of, you know, the bounties in New Orleans, Matt Bowen actually came out and defended him. He was like, I love that about Greg Williams. But Matt, Mo- Matt Bowen's kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, he's, I would, he's just an extreme I would alpha man. Matt Bowen. Even how he, how he writes, you yeah. can tell like, that, guy, that guy enjoyed laying the wood back in his day. Back to fantasy football. Guy oh, yeah. that you will be getting, that you will be picking up in more leagues than others. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, you know, he's, his ADP has fallen like into the fourth round and I still have him as like a clear cut second round player. Um, he was an almost consensus borderline first round pick is, uh, his final ADP last year was 13th overall. And now he's like in the forties and, um, he's, I mean, it's just recency bias. It's pure recency bias, pushing him down. And, uh, I, I love betting against recency bias on a really, really talented player and, Juju Smith is, is, is that guy. As long as Ben stays healthy. This, I got a Juju question from, like from the friend slash audience that came in. They, uh, My buddy Matt says, was it a difficult decision to decide to go on your own and monetize your brand after a decade of being with Roto World? Yeah, it was, it was scary. Uh, you know, my grandfather, who has always given me great life guidance, told me not to do it. Um, you know, and I, I sat down and I wrote down all the pros and all the cons. And at the end of the day, like, 
I, I felt like I always had the floor that, hey, if it didn't work, then I could probably go find another job working for, you know, one of these big corporations. And, you know, they would probably pay me something similar to, you know, in line with what uh, Roto World was was paying me. I could maybe even go back to Roto World. Like I have, you know, I have a lot, a lot of friends still there. There was no no bad feelings when I left. Like we talked about it all the time. You know, I, t- I gave them a year in advance. Um, and so, no, I, I felt like at the end of the day, there was a pretty good floor there because I, I could always go back. But, uh, you know, to really realize the upside and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm getting too fat and too bald to not take one one sure. shot, right? And and give my daughter a better life. And, uh, you know, that's the shot That's the shot that I took. And But, no, it was definitely not easy. I'm going to guess a lot of those people I, I, had, I had people tell don't me do don't it do it. Are the you know? ones that have never tried it. Quite possibly. I mean, and, um, you know, my, my grandfather told me not to do it. And my grandfather is a person that, you know, has always helped me with my decision making in my life. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it was it was definitely not an easy decision. No, no question. There, there was a lot of risk in it. I mean, what if we failed? You know, then but you said it. You, I think you made a good, well, you made a good I, point. I would have a, I would probably have a good place to go rebound to, but I could have a oh, really okay. bad year. You know, and sure. I, I I wasn't in position. I, I didn't want to have a bad year, you know. Yeah. No, I, but like you said, you know, you, because of the reputation you've built and the career you have, you built this high floor. So starting your own thing, you're allowing yourself to have an unlimited ceiling. Yeah, probably not unlimited, but a pretty good ceiling probably, yeah. Well, I love I love that you did it. I think it was the smart. I I was I was almost uh, yeah. when you did it. I was almost like I'm surprised you didn't do that earlier, uh, because I mean you're. I don't know how clicks work and everything like that, but in, within my friend circle, especially like everyone was, it, you know, it was like you were you were on a last name basis, like a Brazilian soccer player. We're like, well, what Silva said. So, <laughs> well, good. You still I got that. Rough. I needed that, man. So let's talk. Let's get uh, so we. Um, Let's get into the um, Bears Twitter. We'll end it with some some Bears Twitter talk, and Uh-oh. we'll talk about uh, groupthink and all the awful things that people people do and shouldn't think like that. So we, because yeah. you last year had an incident with with Bears Twitter when you actually told them something that they didn't want to hear. Do you want to do you want to discuss that? Yeah, it wasn't me telling them that. It was the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun. Oh Times. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chicago yeah. Tribune and the Chicago Sun Times. And my buddy, uh, Dan Durkin, who has worked for uh, The Athletic and um, uh, 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 The Score and um, ESPN 1000. And, you know, he's a dude that I've, I've eaten pizza with down at Peace and really, really smart. I mean, maybe the best football mind in all of Chicago media, you know, at least right there with Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen probably takes the cake, but uh, – you know, because he played the game and, and he's so good with X and X's and O's, but Dan Durkin's sure. right there with him. And Dan Durkin was telling me, Hey, you know, Mitch Trubisky is having a terrible training camp, awful, just atrocious. And, you know, the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times aren't going to say it that bluntly, but they noted that he was struggling in training camp. But you have all these kind of like fake Bears reporters who work for like, you know, fam, uh, team fan websites. And they and they go and they see what they want to see, and or they explain it away. Oh, he was, um, 
Mitchell Trubisky was struggling because he was playing against the Bears' great defense. You know, or they, you know, they would they would explain it away with different different lines of reasoning because they wanted to support their own narrative, and they actually created they they were so biased that they created a narrative to where the Chicago Tribune didn't know what they were talking about, the Chicago Sun Times didn't know what they were talking about, and certainly I didn't know what I was talking about even though all I was doing was relaying what the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times were saying, and that's that Mitch Trubisky was struggling in training camp. But they are so biased that they actually created a narrative in their own heads that I was the biased one, or that the Chicago Sun-Times was the biased one, that the Chicago Sun-Times has not had a read on the, on the, the, uh, the Bears for you know, some time, and it's just crazy irrational thought. And it, it really reminds me of, you know, how like the, the, the crazy side of the Democrats and the crazy side of the Republicans create their own narratives, are unwilling to ever admit that their team, their tribe, their, their side is ever wrong. This is towards the very end of the podcast where Evan and I are discussing some random Bears Twitter accounts and facts I found, essentially the preface of this is someone on Bears Twitter said, should the Bears trade for Leonard Fournette? Just wanted to give a little bit of heads up because, again, we had some issues with the audio and it might not totally track, so I hope that this tracks. And we're back. The Bears should trade for Leonard Fournette. I mean, (laughs) I don't yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like, but but that that is something that that is something that Ryan Pace would do. So, I, I can't, you know, I can't rule it out. But I, I think it's a ridiculous. I mean, Leonard Fournette, you know, should have played in the NFL twenty years ago. Unfortunately, he's playing in today's NFL, and he has negative value. All right, so I got I got two questions to, to wrap it up. Here, okay, first one: Do you think that, or here, here okay, for Matt Nagy? So I don't know if he's technically on the hot seat or not, but would you and do you think it would make sense for the Bears to bring another coach in during the offseason to compete with Nagy for the starting coach position throughout the summer? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have thought of it first. They, they should bring in Jeff Fisher to compete for the starting head coaching job with uh, Matt Big Cat's head would explode. All right, Evan. Evan, I got to thank you for coming on. I exactly. appreciate your time and I uh, drop in the wood. That's how, that's how we, that's our trip to, to, to TV, man. Let me ask you something. Last question. What is the best part about being a girl dad? Yeah. Oh, I mean, just, you know, seeing her grow up and get smarter and become a Cubs fan and taking her to Cubs games. Well, not this year. We, we had uh, six row tickets to Cubs opening day, but, uh, you know, that, that got washed out. But um, it's taking her to sporting events and, you know, trying to make her love sports and uh, just seeing her grow up every day is, uh, she, you know, she gets smarter every love day, it. so it's cool. Evan, Evan Silva, established the run. Thank you so much for being on Laugh and Learn with Vern. Yep. And I uh, wish you the best this upcoming season. And 
For anyone that has any questions, they can find Evan on Twitter at Evan Silva. You can also follow Establish the Run on Twitter at Establish the Run and then EstablishTheRun.com. Evan, any final thoughts? I mean, appreciate it. Have a good night. Take care. No, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Eric. That was a ton of fun. Evan was so insightful, had some great... I don't want to say rants, but kind of rants. He's a very interesting person, and you can tell just by listening to him talk about different subjects, whether it be in football and around football and just about life. Evan's very insightful. He looks, you can tell he he pays attention. He pays attention to the details. I mean, how many times during that conversation did you hear him talk about percentages when we weren't even talking about football? It was very interesting. I can't thank him enough. Evan Silva at E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A on Twitter. You can find him also as the co-founder of EstablishTheRun.com. And that website has some wonderful, wonderful insights for football, everything from the pre-draft, everything fancy football related that you need to beat me this year in your league because odds are if you're listening to this podcast, I might be in a league with you. Truthfully, I haven't been... Last year was a down year. year before that, I I crushed it. We'll see what happens this year. We'll see if you listen to this podcast. Because as we're drafting, I will quickly figure it out. There will be a 5-Minute Friday coming up this week because the podcast is back. Thank you all so much for laughing and learning with me, your host, Eric Vernsten. And I will talk to you later.